Turn to John 14. John 14. We've been on a topic now for some, actually some months. We're calling Seeing Jesus. Seeing Jesus. And this is our text right here in verse 21, John 14, 21. Jesus said, He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Who is it that loves the Lord? Not just those that say they love him. There are people that cry long and loud, repeatedly, I love the Lord, Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you. But according to Jesus, if you do what he tells you to do, you love him. And if you don't, then you don't love him. That's not my words, that's his. You read the next two or three verses, and that's what he went on to say. You know, the one that doesn't keep his words is the one that doesn't love him. Now think about it. If the Lord told you to do something, and you decide to do something else, what did that just prove? Well, it proved you love something else more than you love him. You love somebody else. You love yourself. You love what you want. You love something else. No matter what you might want to say about it, that's the reality. If you really love the Lord, tell me how he'll know how You'll know how everybody else will know. You will love his words. You'll receive his words. You'll believe his words. You'll keep and remember his words. And you will do. Do. His words. I know some years ago I was at a large conference. And a lot of ministers and a lot of believers there. And I was just glad to be there. And I was looking around. And uh, the Lord said something to my heart. He said... uh, Son, there is a misconception in your circles. I don't mean to hurt an audible voice, but inside me. There's a misconception in your circles. I knew what he's talking about. We call ourselves word people, faith people. Misconception. I said, Lord, what is it? He said that if you, quote, get in the word enough, it'll solve all your problems. It'll fix your life. I thought, well, Yeah. We pretty much believe that. <laughs> get in the Word. Get in. I mean, you hear that all the time. Get in the Word. Get in. He said, wrong. Wrong. He said, it's only the doers of the Word that have their life changed. Hmm. <laughs> and that answers a lot of questions. Like, how can somebody who's at everybody's conference and meeting and has got three bedrooms full of CDs and DVDs, still have the same problems they had 20 years ago. (laughs) How can somebody that has taken a thousand pounds of notes (laughs) still keep missing it and failing in the same areas they were 15 years ago Can you answer the question? Why? What's going on? They're not doers. They know it. They've heard it. 
they know the Greek and Hebrew definitions. <laughs> They've got DVDs and CDs. They've been to meetings. They can quote it. But what? Not doing it. Who are the only ones that get miracles? Doers. Who's the only one that the word changes their life? The doers. The doers. Who are the ones that love the Lord? The doers. The others are just talkers. And they don't really love him. It's just talk. And I'm talking about folk that cry and wail and say how much they love the Lord. But when it comes time to do it, they just can't manage to, to get there some way or another. It's just not true. They just don't love him enough. But we're excited about the latter part of this verse. He said, put that up in the Amplified, please. He that has my commandments and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Is there anything better than Jesus making himself real to you? We don't know of anything any better. And we're excited that that is what's happening in these days, in our midst, in our family, in the earth, everybody that will believe him. We found out he didn't say he'd reveal himself to the ones that begged him the loudest and longest. (laughs) I know a lot of folk have done. I've done some of it. In times past, oh, please, God, please, God, show yourself to me. Oh, please, Lord, I want to know you. Oh, please, I want you to be real. He didn't say, I'll reveal myself to the one that begs the most intently. The one that pleads the most sincerely. That'd be easier to do than this. It's a whole lot easier to beg and cry and ask and plead than do this. Who did he say he'd reveal himself to? Help me out. Help me out. Who? People that actually do what he told them to do. So we've stopped begging and pleading for him to reveal himself to us. And we're working on this part right here. I said, we're working on this. Lord, what did you tell us to do? So we've been going through his words in the book of John. Chapter by chapter, page by page, asking ourselves, what did he say? Do we understand what he said? Are we doing what he told us to do? Can we do it better? Can we do it more? Because we're convinced, as surely as we do it, what's going to happen next? He's going to reveal himself, make himself real, show himself clearly to us, and that's what we're hungry for. How about you? So let's go on today. Go to the 16th chapter. We've made it all the way from chapter 1 down to chapter 16. We've been on this for some time now. But in John 16, we were on this last time. Verse 33, well, before I read this, have you noticed that chapter 14, 15, 16, 17 is a sea of red? Have you noticed that? Red, 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 which means just virtually every word of these chapters is Jesus speaking. Not what somebody said about what he said, it's him talking. So do we love him? Do you love the Lord? That's too tentative. You're like, "Mm, I I think so. No. (laughs) You do. Right? And if you love him, then you love his words. 
And you want to know what he said. You care about these words. And leading up to this 17th chapter, he's been talking and saying a number of things. And in this 17th chapter, from verse 1 through the whole chapter, if you've read it, you know it. So he lifted up his eyes and he starts praying. He's talking to the Father. The entire 17th chapter is a prayer. It's Jesus praying. How many would like to kneel down beside Jesus and listen to him pray for a while? We can. Right here. Now you know Jesus did a lot of praying. And we have excerpts and statements of prayers, different places. But to my knowledge, this is the most lengthy, most detailed account of a prayer that Jesus prayed in the scripture. And how many believe every prayer Jesus prayed was a good prayer? Was a prayer that was a good example of prayer. Was a prayer the Father heard and received and answered. But for this one to be chosen among all the things he prayed during all that time. To be uh, the main one that was selected and kept for us. This must be the preeminent example. Mustn't it? So let's examine it today. And let it teach us how to pray. And let it teach us what's important to him. And what he said. And don't focus so much on minute details that we miss the big picture. You know, so many times people will grab a phrase here, they'll grab a verse here. And so many erroneous doctrines could have been prevented if the person would have just read the previous two verses or the three that came after. Amen. You might know what I'm talking about. And so as we read this, let's notice the details, but don't focus on them so much that you miss. Let's get the spirit of what he's doing and the sense of what's important to him. In the 16th chapter, in the last verse of the chapter, 16 and 33, Jesus said, These things I've spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Glory to God. There is tribulation. There's tumult in the world. But that doesn't have to get in you. And we're in the world. But the world doesn't have to be in us. Now come on. Think about it. When you're in tumult and torment and frustration and vexation and worry and fear. The world's gotten in you. Do you understand that? Because if you're abiding in Him, what's going to be in you? Peace. Peace that passes understanding. Keeping your heart. Keeping your mind. Now verse 1. Jesus, the Bible said, lifted up His eyes to heaven. And He said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify your Son that your Son also may glorify You glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. Verse 4, he said, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. If you've been with us in this study, if you've read this writing very much, you know. This was a big thing to Jesus. He's praying about it. And he's praying about it first off because it's such a big thing to him. He talked about it continuously. And it was the glory of the Father. 
Somebody say the glory of the Father. The glory of God. He talked about it continuously. Did you know Jesus never personally took credit for one sermon or one healing or one miracle ever, ever? He said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. He said, I don't seek my own glory. I seek the glory of him that sent me. He said, the father in me, he does the works. I only say what I hear him say. I only do what I see him do. The Father, the Father, the Father, the Father. And now at the end of his course, what's he saying? Lord, get glory to yourself. Glorify your name. Get glory. Should this be on our minds night and day? It should be in the forefront of our thinking. What's the enemy to this? Should we be thinking about this? Is there a problem that people fall into that causes them not to? Seek the glory of God? Yes, it's seeking another's glory. In the seventh chapter of John, turn back there, John 7. John 7, verse 16, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Verse 18, He that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. But he that seeks his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. He that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. Is this a problem of people seeking their own glory? Oh, it's a far bigger problem than most would want to acknowledge. And if you're seeking your own glory, you're not seeking his glory. That's a giant problem. You know, I've been disappointed and been annoyed at times in dealing with people, even ministers, and just surprised to find out they don't really want to know what God wants to do. You would think the big question, among, especially among leaders, would be, what's the will of the Lord? You would think. So many times it's not. It's not. All people will say it, but when it comes down to it, they're interested in how this is going to affect me. They're interested in how this is going to affect my crowd, my church, my money, my attendance. Am I going to have more time or less time? Did you hear me? A lot of times people don't even realize how self-seeking it is. But friend, that will cause you to be powerless. It'll cause you not to have miracles. Because the Lord doesn't share His glory. Say it out loud, I seek His glory. glory. Not my own. He said, He that speaks of Himself. I know years ago, now that means two things. First and foremost, it means you're speaking from yourself. You're coming up with it. It's coming from you and out of you, not Him. But then also, when that is happening... You're going to be speaking of yourself as a subject, too. It's going to be, I saw this, and I experienced this, and I got this, and I did this, and I knew this, and I this, and I that, and I the other. And when you, don't judge other people necessarily, but when you hear you talking about you, just sneak up behind yourself sometime (laughs) and listen to yourself. 
And do you know why you keep on talking about yourself? Because you're trying to impress them with you. Which means you are seeking your glory. And it's a devilish thing. I said it's a devilish thing. And it's something that will cut us off from the power of God and from the blessing of God. It is completely un-Christ-like. They tried to make a big deal out of Jesus. Of course, if anybody ought to be made a big deal out of, it's him. But when he was walking and operating as a man, he wouldn't let them do it. he just keep talking about the Father. Just keep pointing to the Father. He's our perfect example, isn't he? You know, I've had people, you know, uh, bless their heart. You wonder if they see it or if they don't. But uh, sometimes people say, if God does something good for us, well, you know, y'all have worked hard. You know, y'all deserve it. And I'll start shaking my head going, uh-uh. No, no, we don't deserve it. The Lord did. Yeah, I know the Lord did it, but y'all had to do this and that. What are they trying to do? No, the Lord did it. Well, I know the Lord did it, but y'all had to pray and y'all had to believe God. What are they doing? They're trying to give us the glory. Are y'all with me or not on this? The Lord did it. Yeah, but no buts. (laughs) Well, he had to have people. Yeah, he could have used somebody else. It's a privilege to be used by him. But don't. The problem is people who are carnal, then people that they can see are more real to them than God who they can't see. And so they try to give the glory to what's real to them. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. And don't you let people give it to you. And don't you take it to yourself. It's real simple. If it was good, it was God. If it was bad, it was you. Right? You can take the credit for that if it was bad. <laughs> I mean, if it flopped and it messed up, people go, wonder why the Lord did that? You go, that wasn't the Lord. <laughs> that, wasn't, that, was, that was me. You can take the credit for all of that. But when it was good and it worked and people got saved and they got healed and the money came in and things got done. Glory to God. Glory to God. If you're not trying to be humble, you're just being honest. <laughs> Y'all with me? Which is true humility. Go over to the uh, 12th chapter of John. What was Jesus praying about? The glory of the Father. The glory of God. John 12. You see one of the most spectacular manifestations in the whole life and ministry of Jesus in connection with what we're talking about right now. John 12, verse 27. Jesus said, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this cause came I to this hour. Verse 28. He prays. He lifts up his head. He says, Father, glorify your name. Then came there a voice from heaven. God answered the prayer immediately, audibly, right out loud. He said, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. 
Everybody heard it. Everybody. Immediately people went, did you hear that? He said, an angel spoke to him. Other people said, it thundered, I think. You know, you hear different things depending on where you are spiritually. Some get a great revelation. Some think maybe it thundered. (laughs) It's called dullness of hearing or ears that hear. But this must be important, mustn't it? For Jesus to pray it with this kind of consistency and continuity and for the Father to answer it, this kind of force and power and spectacularly. How many think you ought to have it on your mind? I ought to have it on my mind. Night and day. All the time. Have what on your mind? Have what on your mind? Father, glorify your name. Get glory to yourself. Get glory to yourself in my life. I'm not talking about some fake humility religious thing. All the glory to Jesus. No, I'm talking about from your heart. Sincere. Real. That you get up in the morning craving that the Lord get glory out of you some way or another. Thinking about the next day, Lord, get more glory tomorrow. Whatever it takes, get glory to yourself. Not make everybody know who I am. No, get glory to you. The Lord doesn't need people that want to go do big things for him. He says, really? No. He doesn't need people that will, you know, I want to go do something big for the Lord. We can tell right away you're seeking your own glory. He needs people that are labor together with him. Not just going doing stuff for him. He needs people that will follow instructions. That will do what they're told. And people that could care less if anybody knows their name or not. Because you can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. You can't heal anybody. I said, you can't heal anybody. I can't heal anybody. You can't even reveal any revelation to anybody else. You can't reveal one scripture to anybody on the planet. You can't. God could use you to say it. But unless the Spirit of God reaches in and turns on the light and shows them, enlightens their eyes, nobody will see anything. So when it happens, who did it? He did it. I said, he did it. He did it. So he gets the glory. Somebody say glory to God. All the glory to Jesus. All the glory to the Father. All the glory to God. Let that burn in your heart. Be like the Master. Pray like that. Think like that. Operate like that. Don't speak of yourself. Don't seek your own glory. Seek His glory. Go back to John 17. Let's look further at what he prayed about. He prayed about the glory of God. He sought the glory of the Father. What else did he pray about? John 17. Look at verse uh, 9. Well, let me keep reading so we don't miss anything. Verse 2. Jesus said, As you've given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with your own self, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. 
I have manifested your name to the men which you gave me out of the world. Thine they were, and you gave them me, and they have kept your word. What do we know about them? They love him. How do we know they love him? They kept his word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever you have given me are of you. For I have given unto them the words which you gave me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from you, and they've believed that you did send me. So this is our text that we've been talking about. Verse 6, look at it again. I have manifested your name. Was he manifesting himself to them? You remember when he talked about them knowing and seeing the Father, one of the disciples said, Lord, show us the Father. That's what manifest means, show, reveal, make known. He said, show us the Father. He said, have I been all this time with you and you haven't known me? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They had been seeing. He had been making himself real to them and showing to them. Why? Because they loved his words and they were keeping them. And this is happening all the way up and until this point. But down in verse 9, he said, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which you've given me, for they are thine. Now, Jesus made a distinction about who he's not praying for and who he is praying for. And as we keep reading this, you'll see he made, and he talked about this numerous times, a big distinction between the world and his. And we need to have this division in our minds clear. The Bible refers to those that are within and those that are without. Second Corinthians 5, I believe it is, talks about, you know, judging those that are within, God judging those that are without. Numerous places it talks about those that are without. Without what? Where? Outside, it means. Outside what? Outside the Lord. Outside Christ, outside the body of the Lord, the church. There are those that are in, and there are those that are out. And there is no in-between. Are you listening? There is no in-between. You're in, or you're out. In Him, or outside. That's it, there is no in-between. He's saying, I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for mine. You know, the the New Testament commandment. Anybody know what it is? It's right here, what, in 13th chapter, among other places. 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you. That you what? That you love who? Who? These are those that are within. That you love each other. Your brother in Christ. Your sister in Christ, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And what did he go on to say? By this shall all men, now that includes those that are without, know that you're my disciples if you have love for who? See, it's always been God's plan that those that completely worship him and completely serve him and love him with all their hearts and love each other as he loves us, would be so blessed, so healed, so prosperous, so protected, so kept. That's the glory of God. So kept that people on the outside would want to get in. Come on, can you see this? But the enemy has been far too successful in mixing it all up. 
And people try to tell us, you know, that our main job as a church is to feed the hungry. Or to clothe people. Or to provide housing. And that's for unbelievers, people that pray to other gods. That's everybody. Is that true? I'm to take the prosperity the Lord's given me and give to somebody that curses him and doesn't even believe in him. What do you think? No. No. And if that's the case, why would they want to get in? And the Lord never intended that any of us become another man's source. Right? Everybody should come to him and believe on him. And then you got the same source we do. Right? God never intended that any man or woman be holding their hand out to somebody else all the time. Begging to them, looking to them. That's humiliating. That's demeaning. Oh, I'm so glad I found out that Jesus is the provider. He's my total source of supply. I don't have to beg anybody. I don't have to beg the congregation. I don't have to beg my partners. I don't have to beg any. I don't have to beg the government. I don't have to beg anybody. I don't have to beg a banker. I don't have to beg anybody. I can come to the Lord. I can believe Him. If somebody else says no or I'm not going to do this, you just go, okay. You weren't my source anyhow. <laughs> right? If He doesn't use that, He'll use something else. He doesn't use them, He'll use somebody else. But you don't have to beg. The psalmist said, I've been young, now I'm old. There's something I've never seen. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen their seed begging bread. Believers are not beggars. But feeding people is not the Great Commission. It's a good thing. But in particular, we're supposed to take care of our own. Did you hear me? First and foremost, we're supposed to take care of our fellow believers. And it's supposed to be so strong. And the love and the camaraderie, the unity, the compassion, the faith that people on the outside would say, man, if you get saved and come part of that church, you got it made forever. I'm telling you, they'll take care of you. They'll believe with you. They'll help you get through. You'll never be alone another day of your life. They're the blessed, most victorious, most joyous bunch on the planet. His intent is that people ought to want to come be a part. He said, I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying for them that you gave me. For they're yours, and all yours are mine, and mine are yours, and I'm glorified in them. That's us. Say it out loud. He gets glory, he gets glory. In, me. in me. He said, now I'm no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I'm come to you. Holy Father, keep through your own name those whom you've given me, that they may be one as we are. Now we'll see that a little bit later. This is another main thing he's praying about. That we be one. That we be one. Now this is not another subject. This is the same subject. Think about some of the greatest times when God was glorified. In the early days of the church. In the very beginning. They were all in one place. In one accord. Is that right? And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, like a rushing mighty wind. 
chapter 4, they lifted up their voice. And they all prayed with one accord. And before the prayer was over, the Holy Ghost shook the building. Now that's the glory of God, brother. Is that the Holy Ghost falling? Flames of fire burning? The house shaking? That is God making himself real. That is God showing himself plain and strong. And it happened in connection with people seeking his glory and all getting on the same page about it. Oh, come on. Can you see this? One. One mind. One accord. The Bible says in the fifth chapter of Acts, they were in one mind, one accord, one place, and many signs and wonders were wrought and done by the hands of the apostles. These things go together. And you can see why the devil works so insidiously to cause division and to cause strife. Keep us separated. Keep us splintered. Keep us seeking our own stuff. If you're seeking yours and I'm seeking mine and they're seeking theirs, we'll never get together. But if we could all get together and forget about you and forget about me. Oh, come on now. If we could all get together and all of us get to seeking the Lord's glory at the same time. That's when these amazing manifestations of the glory of God occur. And when they do, and it's right, people won't say, well, Brother Keith this, or Sister that, or Brother so-and-so, or Apostle, or... No, no, no. It'll be... You may not even know who was there. (laughs) Somebody said, who was there? God was there. God, God, I'm telling you, God came in the room. He was there. Who showed up? Jesus was there. (laughs) Who spoke? I don't remember. All I know is that God talked to me. (laughs) I know he talked to me. (laughs) Who ministered? I don't remember. But I know Jesus was there. Friend, this is it. This is it. Anything else is a shell and powerless and weak. And you shouldn't care for it at all. You shouldn't desire it at all. He said, verse 12, he said, while I was with them in the world... I kept them in your name. Those that you gave me I have kept. None of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. Apparently Judas was lost. I know people have said all kind of things about it, but look what Jesus said. Verse 13, Now come I to you, and these things I speak in the world, that you might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil, from the evil that's in the world. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. He keeps saying this, doesn't he? He made it plain. He didn't have to say, I'm not praying for the world. Did he? He didn't have to say that, but he did. And the Holy Ghost recorded it. You and I need to have this separation, this distinction in our mind. You know, the Holy Spirit's ministry to the world is very different from His ministry to us. And we need to know that. We need to make a big difference in our minds in ministry to the world and ministry to the saints. Huge difference. In the... uh, Oh, what was it? The uh, 16th chapter. If you just back up maybe a page or so across the the page. 16 and 
8 talks about the Holy Spirit's ministry to the world. When he has come, he will reprove who? The world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Not because they're drinking, not because they're sleeping around, not because they're doing drugs and cussing. Did you hear me? That's not their big problem. Their big problem is that they don't know Jesus. They don't believe in him. And so don't be harping and thumping your Bible about somebody drinking and cussing. They need to get saved. If they don't get saved, none of that's going to matter. Of sin, why? What's the sin he's convicting them of, reproving them of? Because they don't believe on him. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world, this world, is judged. This is his ministry to the world, to those outside. What is the world? The world is those who don't believe in him and therefore don't know him. The world that is deceived by the God of this world. The world that lies in darkness. Those outside of Christ. Aren't you glad you're not outside? We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Just like Jesus was not of the world. He was on the planet. He ministered. But the world wasn't in him. And he wasn't of the world. There was no darkness in him. He was and is light. And we are light. In this dark place. But now think about the Holy Spirit's ministry. To the saints. Without going and reading all the passages. You remember them. What did he say? When he was come. He'll teach you all things. He'll guide you into all the truth. He'll bring to your remembrance everything I said to you. He'll show you things to come. Isn't that a far different ministry than to the world? That's what he does for us, those that are within. Now notice this. In the uh, 23rd verse. Well, I'm moving too fast. We got down to verse 16. We need to keep reading. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. This is still differentiating between the world, the world's own, and his own. What makes us different? What separates us from those that are outside, from the world? Here's what Jesus said. Sanctify them how? How? Through the truth. Through your word. Your word is truth. Oh, my, my, my. What makes us different? This is back to our text. Who loves him? The people that receive his words and keep his words and do his word. Who's he going to show himself to and reveal himself and make himself real to? Those that keep his words. People think we're nuts because we give the word such place in our lives. People think we're strange. People like us take vacation time and travel across the country 
and sit and listen to words. <laughs> I mean, spend money, go all over the world, and come in meetings and, and listen to somebody talk. Words. They think that's crazy. Why even get up and spend your time and go and give money and put money in offerings too when you could be sleeping in this morning? People think that's crazy. Those that are without. This is what makes us different. This is what distinguishes us from the world. What? His words. His truth. I love the truth. Above everything and everybody. I know that's a big statement, but I say it without apology. So I thought you were supposed to love Jesus. That's what I just said. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the truth. Isn't He? He is. He is. And there are those that have heard His words, and they don't mean anything to them. They reject them. They scoff at them, they cast them aside, and they're lost, and they're without. Oh, but there are others. Somebody raise your hand. There there are others that love His words. They love His words. Oh, their idea of great fun in life is having your ears and hearing His words and letting His words get down in you and wash over your mind. And fill up your soul. His word can do for you what no drug could ever do. What no possession or physical experience could ever remotely equate. His word. I mean this whole planet, this whole atmosphere, this whole solar system is going to pass away. But his words will forever remain. And think about it. Are his words in you? Then you're going to remain. (laughs) Did you get that now? How many say without a question, his words will remain forever? No matter, I mean the earth could disintegrate. Everything could go away. His word will still be there. Is his word in you? That means you're going to still be there. (laughs) Not because of you. But because of his word that is in you. And that's what makes you separate. Your faith in his word. Your reception of his word. Your love of his word. Your living by his word. That's what makes you not the world. And not of the world. And not like the world. Now finally this. In the 23rd. Verse 17, 23. Well, it's hard to skip any of these verses. Verse 20. He said, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which believe on me, shall believe on me through their word. That's you. Somebody said, Jesus prayed for me. Right here. He prayed for me. You believe his prayers are answered? You believe the Father received and answers his Right here. Now what did he pray for you? And what did he pray for me? That they all may be one. 
Now at this point you got to marvel at the faith of the master. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> when you see the myriad of denominations and schools of thought about this and that and the splinteredness of believers throughout the world and the Lord's kneeling here praying, saying, Father, I'm praying that the whole bunch of them become one just like you and I are one. I have to say, oh, great is thy faith, Lord. (laughs) But I also believe it. I said, I believe it. Do you believe it? It ain't over yet. I said, it ain't over yet. And for it's all said and done, we are coming into the unity of the faith. I don't know how, I don't know what it's going to take, but I believe what the Lord prayed is coming to pass. Do you? And we've already talked about the answer. It's for me to quit doing my thing and you to quit doing your thing. And you me to quit building mine and you to quit building yours. And let's get on the same page and build his. That's it. That's it. People are too concerned about, I might lose some people. I might lose some money. People might not see me as much. They might not know about me as much. This is a real problem. I said, this is a real problem. No. Say it out loud. I seek the Lord's glory. Not mine. Not any other man or woman's. I seek the Lord's glory. I seek Jesus' glory. I seek the glory of God. Friend, let that burn in you. Let that, let that stew in you. Let that stir in you tonight and tomorrow and the next day until that becomes the thing of your life. Every day you get up, every day you live, you're seeking His glory. Saying, Lord, some way or another, get glory to yourself out of my life today. Do something. Use me some way, somehow to get glory to yourself. Doesn't matter if anybody knows me or not, but they need to know you. Keep reading. He said that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I'm in you, that they also may be one in us, and that the world may believe that you've sent me. When we're loving each other the way that he loves us and the way he told us to, everybody will know that we're his. And we're keeping his words. He'll manifest himself in our midst. And others will see him manifesting himself. The goodness of God will draw and cause men to repent. Won't it? He said, verse 23, I in them and you in me that they may be perfect in one. And the world may know that you've sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. This is also Something that Jesus talked again and again about. How the Father loves Him and loves us. And how He loves the Father and how He loves us. Friend, the further I go in the things of God, the more and more I see, it's not about what you know. It's about, do you love Him? Are y'all with me, friends? The Scripture says, knowledge puffs up. Doesn't it? But... Whoever loves God, that scripture said, the same is known of God. It's not what you know. You know, you and I will never 
never be able to impress God with our knowledge. Not now, not 10 million years from now. You will never come up with something and God say, wow, I never thought of that. That's amazing. How'd you come up with that? Never going to happen. Our knowledge and understanding compared to his is so infantile. When he says, my little children, that's not a figure of speech. It's not. (laughs) You know, it's like a a two-year-old or coming to a 90-year-old genius and explaining them something that they just figured out. If they're kind, they'll go, that's great, baby, that's great. But it's just so elementary. And that's us with him. The most advanced, the most developed of any of us. That's us with him. So you're not going to be able to impress him with what you know. Ever. You know what does touch him? I said, you know what does touch him? You love him. And you believe in him. Faith works by what? By your love. Do you love him, saints? I'm talking about loving Jesus. Do you love the Lord Jesus? Do you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Should that be on your mind all the time? I love you, Lord. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. And I'm seeking your glory. I'm seeking what you want. He said, and that they might, that the world might even know that you've sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. This, he began expressing this back in the 13th chapter. Turn back there in closing, I think. (laughs) Y'all are laughing. 13. I'm thinking about closing. 13, where Jesus knows, verse 1, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come and that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, what did he have on his mind? Having loved his own, which were in the world, not of the world, in the world. He loved them unto the end. And this is where he got up and he laid aside his outer garment and he put on a a towel like a slave. And he took some water and he bent down and, and washed their feet. What's going on inside him? What's he expressing to them? Love. It's annoying that religious people have taken precious things like this and turned them into forms and ritual. This is love. Somebody say love. Love. Why wash their feet? Because the foot, of course, in those days, you didn't have carpet everywhere and you didn't have pavement everywhere. Most people didn't have enclosed shoes. It was open. And so he talks about this later when Peter, he got to Peter. Peter said, no way. No way, you're washing my feet. And you know, he meant well. He meant if anybody's washing anybody's feet, it's going to be me washing your feet, not you washing my feet. And the Lord looked at him and said, well, if I don't wash you, you don't have any part with me. This is one thing I like about Peter. He said, well, okay. <laughs> then wash my hands and my head. Give me your back. How I many of you need to be quick when you're wrong? 
get it right. I'm boom. Turn it around. (laughs) Well, okay. You didn't say that. (laughs) No, I want to be a part. So bathe me. And he said, no, he said, if you're clean, you don't need a bath except for your feet. What does that mean? Well, people would go down to the stream or they'd go down to the well. They'd go up on the housetop. They'd bathe. But then getting back to the house, your feet would get dirty. And we've been washed. We've been clean. But just walking through this dirty world. You get defilement and you need to be washed by the washing of the water of the word. That's what sanctifies us. That's what makes us different and separate from the world. But Jesus showed his love by kneeling down in front of them, washing the lowliest, dirtiest part. If you care about that, you sure care about everything else. Right? Demonstrating to them. He was not doing this trying to show how holy he was. He was not doing this trying to show how spiritual he was. Are y'all listening to me, friends? What's he doing? What's coming across to them? What do you think they're feeling while he's doing this? He loves me. He loves. He don't just love people. He loves me. He loves me. And Jesus is praying this. And friend, there's nothing more important than this. You can talk about faith, but until you know how much he loves you, your faith is going to be small. Your faith works by love. And until you know how much he loves you, you're going to be full of fear. But what does completed love and perfected love do? It removes, it pushes, it throws out. It expels all fear. And friend, when all fear is gone. Oh, come on now. All fear is gone. And you know how much he loves you. Faith soars. Faith just right. You can bleed anything. Oh, come on. Can you see this? What was important to Jesus? What did he pray about? He prayed about glorifying God. He prayed about his that were in the world being sanctified and separate. He prayed about unity. And he prayed about love. Is what's important to him important to you? Yes. Do you believe he loves you? Stand on your feet, everybody, and say it out loud. He loves me. He really loves me. Lift up your hands. Begin to tell him you love him. Begin to praise him. Begin to give him glory. Oh, Father, we worship you. Oh, we worship you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.